You're listening to Lead On with Greg and Mark, brought to you by the Pennsylvania Association of Intermediate Units. Join us this season as we engage in conversations on leading on through times of complexity. Now for your hosts, Greg and Mark. Dr. Mark Hoffman. Howdy. Howdy how. Howdy how. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, Gregory, oh, Gregory. Gregory, Gregory. Hey, I am uh, seven of eight on the movie you, challenge. You are seven of eight. Not to remind you. You are seven of eight. You're I'm putting like me to shame. A, seven and a half. Yeah. Actually, no, it's a full seven because I definitely didn't recognize that line, but I knew the you're, movie at least. You're going to be walking around this office proud as a peacock. I'm not going to fit through people, that door. My you're whole, not. I know. My head won't fit through the door. Well, you're, you almost bump your head when you go through doorways It anyway. is true. I definitely have smashed <laughs> my my forehead quite a bit. You have th- you have four more for me? I have four more. So this, to, for listeners who haven't heard the previous two episodes, I threw the gauntlet back down and we're doing the 80s movie quote challenge go with ahead. Dr. Mark Hoffman. A.K.A. Hasselhoff. Here we go. That maniac was our mailman. That maniac was our mailman. Um, all right, so I'm thinking Funny Farm, right? Dude, that's it. Is it really? It's that, Yeah, that's I, Funny Farm. I love he tries, he, like, that, 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 that Yeah, guy. he goes through and he goes, who was that? That maniac was our mailman. It was the oh, wife. Yeah, so yeah. I love oh, that movie. So good. I love that movie. And I love how in the end, she's the one who becomes the author. <laughs> yeah, she becomes the author. Yeah. And I, I like when they're out of food and they're yeah. just sitting there and all he hears is she's chewing, his wife is chewing an apple. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the last well, apple. He's got the new record for lamb fries. <laughs> <laughs> A new world record. <laughs> all right, go ahead. Okay, here's the next one. Uh-huh. That's why they call them crushes if they were easy they would call them something else 16 candles. i'm telling you, you yes you've molly got Ringwald, it. baby you've got it yeah Go yep that was jim baker molly ringwald's father yeah who forgot her birthday he did okay all right her 16th birthday to be exact huh huh, huh. i wonder if it was somebody's birthday recently it was the big four eight the big four eight yep Looking yeah. good. I, thank you. Don't look thank a day you. over 50. Yeah, it's the hairline, maybe. I don't know. Looking good. Yeah, thank you, my man. I happy birthday. That. I did you. not wish you a happy birthday because I didn't even, it wasn't even on my radar that was your birthday. That's a major party. For, do you know when my birthday is? No. So then it's okay. Yeah, I don't. Uh, we'll exchange birthdays. <laughs> we might have to do that. I think it's on January 28th. Can I share the story about my birthday? Yeah, January 28th. So, uh, so I'm going to tell you about my 10th birthday when I turned 10. Uh-huh. It was 19, I believe this is correct with the date. I was turning 10. 1986, and I was going to Rice Elementary okay. in Mountaintop, PA, and uh, Crestwood School District. And anytime there was a big event, they would call us down to the LGI, Large Group Instruction Room. Yeah. And my mom was famous for making chocolate chip cookies, like the best, right. the best. So she made cookies. She would always do it for our birthday. So I brought them in in the morning. I'm all proud of them. I'm thinking we're going down to the LGI mm-hmm. to celebrate my birthday. Of course you are. So we went in, and it was the day of the Challenger exploding. Oh, jeez. It was January 28th, 1986. That's heavy. So I met, you know. Um, it was a big I, deal. We it, were all it watching was, it. It was it was a tough one, especially because there was a teacher there, yeah. you know, Chris McAuliffe. And, and we were all watching it. Yeah. It was yeah. a big deal, teacher in space. Yeah, it really was. It really was. That so, was heavy. But that's, you'll never forget my birthday now. We will never forget. Yeah. My birthday, May 8th. I didn't mean to, mean to bring us down there, but that, that's, right. that's what happened. See, I told you, when's my birthday? 
You didn't say. I just did. What'd you say? May 8th. It already goes. I, we <laughs> we, got, we have to talk about it's May 8th. May 8th. So, May, well 8th May 8th. So three days after Cinco de Mayo. Cinco I got it. de Mayo. I had, that's how I remember things. Cinco de Mayo is not Mexican Independence Day. What? What is it? Everyone thinks it is. It's the day that the the Mexican army defeated the French, kicked them out of their country. It celebrates oh. a major win. Oh. So there you go. But everybody wow. thinks it's, it's it's not their 4th of July. Oh. It's, all right. Let's keep going. That? Okay. <laughs> things that make you go, hmm. hmm. All right. So... uh Look up here. Mm-hmm. Look up here. 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 I don't know it, but so I'll take that as a loss. Okay. Now give me some hints to see if I can get, get it. I'm going to say it differently this time. Okay. Look up here. Look up here. Look up here. Does that help? No. Picture Steve Martin up in the tree as they're breaking in over a wall, and he's saying he's he's cueing his other fellow friend. To go up over. I think it was Martin Short. Oh, is this uh, The Three Amigos? It's The Three Amigos. Oh, my it's God. It's where they're breaking in at, in, in, the, in the very beginning. El Guapo. El Guapo. Blue shadows. <laughs> oh, or, or my little buttercup <laughs> has the sweetest smile. Da, 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 da. Okay. I, I, I know the movie. Right. I did not get that quote. Okay. All right. So the very last one. Go ahead. I don't know if you're going to get this one. Uh-oh. Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Back off. It's not the fly, is it? It's not the fly. I don't know. Go ahead. Give me more hints. Hints. I'll, that's a okay. loss. Okay. All right. So you're two two for four on this. Okay. okay. So uh, give me some hints. It has to do with science. Weird science. It's not weird science. No, I know. It's that would have been one. good. That would have yeah. been good. Um, but it, it has to do with three individuals, again, just okay. like the three amigos, but they help to... Save a city from... Oh, Ghostbusters. Yeah, there you go. Got it. That, there you go. That was Peter Volkman. Finkman. Bank Vinkman. See, you know this. You know these. How do you know their names, their character names? I, I, I just missed this the quotes, Doctor, but I know the Dr. Peter Vinkman, uh, uh, a.k.a. Bill Murray. Bill Murray, yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal, phenomenal great, movie. Great humor. Right? I'm a little upset that I didn't get that one. But, I, but listen, the three amigos and Ghostbusters are classics. Yeah. I, full credit to you for picking yeah. quotes I didn't recognize. I mean, it wasn't Small Wonder. She's a small wonder. <laughs> that song haunts me now because everybody's showing me what it is. Hey, of course. Hey, Coons, check out this theme song. Jeez. I feel like I'm a little redeemed because I at least know these movies. <laughs> oh, you did very well. Thank you. Yeah. And I appreciate the challenge. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. And, and so uh, I missed three. The pleasure was all yours. The, the, the pleasure was all mine. <laughs> Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, a leadership um, dynamic that everyone feels regardless of the position they're in. And I think we feel it at home and at work. And uh, it goes by many names, but uh, some people know it as the Eisenhower principle or the urgency matrix, the urgent versus important matrix. Um, So if I were to describe it to you, Dr. Coons, I would think of a two by two matrix, which means, you know, sort of four squares. um, Yes. All in a almost you know like a like a two by two uh, graph, if you will, and in the x-axis going along the bottom, you've got your level of urgency. So on the left hand side, you've got urgent. On the right hand side, you've got not urgent. And then the uh, the y-axis is important. So the bottom half is not important, and the top half is very important or important. So depending on where you are on this matrix, you have four choices. Something could be unimportant and not urgent. Or conversely, it could be very important and urgent, 
or the other two combinations, right? Yep. Not important, but urgent and not urgent, but important. Okay. All right. Yep. So you can Google yeah. this thing. If that doesn't make, mm-hmm. if my explanation didn't do it justice, you can just simply put in the, um, the urgent important matrix or the Eisenhower principle. Why is this important? We are faced with challenges, decisions, uh, junctures, decision points all day long at home and at work. And oftentimes we don't know how to prioritize. Correct. Right. And so a heuristic like this, a tool like this, a matrix like this, it's a nice filter to run a problem, a dilemma or a situation through to determine, is this really urgent? And if it is, I'm going to put it on the urgent side of the column. But is it really important? No, it's not important. Or it is important. Or is this really important? All right, well, how urgent is it? It's a way to help you prioritize and evaluate your tasks. Have you ever used something like this? So I haven't actually used the visual, but I, I think it would be going through that exercise of actually using this matrix and writing down what the issue is mm-hmm. and, and identifying on here yeah. would be very helpful. I also am looking at this and something I think many struggle with on the, there's the urgent, important and urgent, not important Christ, crises versus interruptions. Sure. Because as we all know, no matter what leadership position you're in, mm-hmm. You're going to have the crises. Mm-hmm. And those and, are the urgent issues that are important. Ur- urgent issues that are important. Yeah. But then you're also going to have even more interruptions. Right. Which are urgent issues that are not important. You got it. You got it. So that's, that, that resonates with me, right? When I look at that, that, that comes, that, that definitely comes to mind. Yeah. So hold that thought because I want to talk about how, where we're spending most of our time as leaders. Are you spending most of your time, most of your time dealing with crises, interruptions, distractions, or goals and planning, which are the other two names of the other boxes? We're going to go around to each box. Okay. Is that all right? Okay. That's fine. I, I started off by saying that this is known as the urgent important matrix. Also that it's known as the Eisenhower, um, the Eisenhower principle or the Eisenhower matrix. Uh, you right. can simply stick both of those in Google and you'll find lots of research. We happen to be referencing something from the coaching tools company.com. Um, this isn't proprietary to them per se, but it, I want to give them full credit for putting it together in a nice, easy to understand package. Why is it called the Eisenhower principle? Um, he's often quoted, he has a lot of quotes, but Eisenhower, uh, when he was president, when he was a general, he said, what's important is seldom urgent and what is urgent is seldom important. He said, what is important is seldom urgent and what is urgent is seldom important. And the reason why these are conflated together is because, of course, you know, you're two by twos, high importance, low importance, high urgency, low urgency, and then determining where the situation that you fall is in, you know, on the, on the quadrant. And then what do you do about it? Right. So, Greg, so, to your point, let's start at the top left box, high urgency and yes. low importance. So urgent tasks, we stop what we're currently doing to work on the urgent task instead. So we can think of all these things. Um, obviously, emergencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, right before we, uh, recorded this podcast, uh, Dr. Hoffman was working with his staff on whether or not to do a fire drill. Mm -hmm. Obviously fire drills, those types of things take precedent. It's an urgent, it's an urgent matter. But is it an urgent matter to do the drill or is that under the goals and planning of important, but not urgent? So I I see it almost in the middle. Yeah. Right. Like it's going to stop whatever's going on. Sure. I think the fire alarm going off is definitely urgent and important. Yes. Planning the drill is important, but But not urgent. And that's, and that would go over in the goals and planning. Exactly. So our team had it planned. They were ready to go. They were all prepared. Kudos to my, my safety and security team. Right. And then of course, when people hear it, they know, okay, high urgency, high importance, Mm -hmm. planning the drills and making sure that we meet the law and the requirements that every month we do one high importance, 
but low urgency, right? Because yes. they have 12 months to plan that out. And if they do it right, then there's no urgency in implementing it every month. If they do it wrong or they don't do it, then there's a lot of urgency because then on the 31st day of the month or the 28th day of the month, we're going, we never did our drill. Yep, right. It's urgent. Right, so that we just talked about um, important, urgent, important, and then non-urgent, important. Yeah. So urgent, important being some kind of crisis of an actual emergency, non-urgent, important being the planning. Yeah. You know, yeah. the planning that's involved, uh, uh, setting goals, uh, progress monitoring, all those kinds of things. Yeah, you know, uh, there's another matrix that you can Google on top of this. And um, other thought leaders have put four words with these quadrants. So in the high importance, high urgent crises box, do. So if something is present, do it, right? Mm-hmm. Right. If it's not important but urgent, delegate. Okay. Right. Yep. If it's important but not urgent, decide on when you'll do it. So do, delegate, decide. And then if it's not important and not urgent, delete. I like it. So that's the action. So in other words, so you go through this analysis of determining whether something's important or urgent. You evaluate whether it's a crisis, an interruption, a distraction, or a goal, and then you decide whether you're going to do, delegate, delete, or decide on when to do it later. I like this because this ties into the 24-7 access that we now have to our work, and therefore the 24-7 access that work has on us. When um, our parents left work, they didn't carry a smartphone or a laptop. No, no. And so there was no way that work could really impose on them the way that it does in the 21st century in 2024 and for the last 20 years. And so I wonder how much of our time as individuals is now consumed in this matrix in different boxes that our parents in previous generations weren't consumed in because the, the urgency couldn't find you. And the, the, the accessibility wasn't there. Right. right. And without accessibility, the urgency goes down. In other words, right. like, you know, oh my gosh, I don't need to check this email. How urgent yeah. really is it that I'm checking my email at 8.30 so, from my smartphone? So I got to tell you, when I first started as a supervisor, yeah. do you know what they gave me? Go ahead. There weren't cell phones. Blackberry? Pager. A pager. I had a pager. Yeah. So I would, uh, for those young listeners that we have there, what a pager was is uh, it, it's a little uh, little box that you'd wear on your belt and someone would, when they would call the pager, it would just show you a number. And then you needed to physically walk to a desk phone or an available phone that's connected to the wall in some way through a wire mm-hmm. and actually call back that number. So you didn't necessarily know who that number was unless right. you recognized the number. So that's that, that was my first supervision. I was doing that. Right. And then you wondered to yourself, like, how urgent really were those pager calls that you were getting? They really weren't. So I like this because it puts a it puts a framework around our choice of time management and our choice of what we're dedicating our time to. Right. How important are the things that you're focusing on after hours? How important are the things that you're focusing on during hours? And then mm-hmm. conversely and most most importantly or in parallel, how urgent are they? How urgent is it and how important is it for you to send that email at 930 at night? How urgent or how important is it that you um, attend that event, right? It doesn't have to be negative, right? It is important that you're visible. It is, but is it urgent? You need to, what, what, what I'm hearing here is you need to set some parameters for yourself too. Sure. Like you talk, just your example about emails, you yeah. know, saying to yourself, I am not going to respond to emails after 9 p.m. unless it is urgent. Exactly. Yeah. And is it even important to be checking them after 930 at night? Like how important is it? Because they'll call otherwise if it's emergency or whatever it may be. Exactly. If it's, yeah. if it's truly urgent, if it's truly a crisis, they're going to find you yeah. and then you have to do it. Yeah. 
But how much of that is self-imposed distraction, which is not important, not urgent, just things that we're consuming our time with, right? And th- to stay you, busy. That you should be deleting essentially from your yes. life, but instead yes. we're adding. Yeah, it's, this, is, this really does uh, get you thinking. And I like the visual, Mark, you know, going through this. So let's talk about quickly the, um, the not important, urgent, and, and not important, non-urgent. So not important and not urgent. Yep. Okay. So, okay, let's go there. Not important, the non-urgent, not important. That puts us there with what we call distractions. Correct. And what you had on there was a wor- the word delete. Delete. Yeah. So, so let's just, let's think about what's an example of a distraction. Well, I would say a non-urgent, non-important d- distraction mm-hmm. would be if you have, let's stick with email just to keep yes. it essential. Yeah, all right. That's perfect. Uh, I turned off email notifications on my phone years ago, but let's say that I have email notifications still on my phone. Let's say that every time my work account gets an email, my phone buzzes, it flashes and it makes a sound. Okay. I know a lot of people that still have that. I'm not shaming you if you do. It's just not the way I choose to run my phone. Okay. Uh, let's say it's 930 at night, stick with the same example, and your phone buzzes, rings, or, or sounds, and flashes, indicating that you have an email. Okay. So now I'm going to take out my phone. I'm going to open it up, and it's a vendor generic email. Dear yeah. client, we'd like you to consider buying a subscription to this new magazine. Right. How important and urgent was it? Not at all. Not, Not at all. all. So right. delete. So you delete it, but also then you say to yourself, well, was it even worth me looking at it? What right. did it distract me from and take me away from? What did it What did it take me from? And I think that's why they call it distractions. These are the things that consume our time. Yeah. It reminds me sometimes in supervision when you talk to some of your staff and they say that they're overwhelmed or they're overworked, which is uh, potentially a real uh, issue that has to be solved. One of the first things that I see our HR team do in, in, in the various organizations that I've worked in is ask the person to track their time. And to give an analysis over a two-week period of how they're spending their day in an effort to help their supervisor evaluate what tasks are actually being accomplished and tackled by these individuals. And in some cases, you'll find that the employee is completely right. The amount of work that's not a distraction or that's not an interruption or that that, that, it's too overwhelming for one FTE. You need more people to do it. But oftentimes you find that the person is spending their day dealing with distractions or interruptions. And so maybe you need to change where they work or you change their accessibility so that they can get to the real important work of planning and handling crises. From a human services point of view, that's a total waste of human resources. Uh, even you if know, you're you running a for-profit for company, I think you want to yes. maximize your profit, you right? You definitely want to maximize that. Yeah. So. And so I, I like this idea of people evaluating where they're spending their time and where they're putting their, their, their human resource, if you will, their own human resource. I wonder if it would be a good exercise to actually use this, you know, the quadrant, go through and then actually mark each task mm-hmm. that you do during the day and, and rate it with, you know, identify which area of the quadrant it's in. Yeah. It, you know, just to pick on email a little bit more, one of the simple things that folks do is they, they, they have decided to turn off or to close the Outlook or the Apple Mail, their email client on their desktop. And they'll say that from the hour of 9 to 10 o'clock, I'll look at my email. And from 3 to 4 o'clock, I'll look at my email. Right? right? Right. As opposed to it being on all day and having the notifications going off. And then you're becoming distracted. And oftentimes you're finding things that you should just be deleting. Right. Or you respond too quick. Sometimes it affects you this way. You respond too quickly where that person really should have found it out on their own yeah. and gone through the exercise and learned yeah. from it. Sometimes you're taking that learning experience away from them. Wouldn't yeah. you agree? 
Uh, totally. And as if you yeah. just think about the precious time that you have in a work day or in your life, mm-hmm. and if you were to start evaluating the, the amount of time that you have and the tasks that you choose to accomplish with that time, I bet we'd find that ourselves included, we spend a lot of time in that not urgent, not important category because some of us are seeking distractions from doing the important work of planning and, and setting goals. Or, and, and when you're not able to plan or set goals, then you often find yourself dealing with crises. Yeah. And I, well, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So here's a question. How many, how many people do you think out there, leaders, um, they, they may view what's really a not important, urgent thing for an important, urgent type of a task? Yeah, and I, I guess if, if there's something that's urgent and important and you're treating it as non-important or unimportant and non-urgent. The other way around, sure, yeah, or, flip side. Oh, no, I thought that's what you're saying. But yeah, like yeah, if, yeah. If, if you've confused, if you've got the, the opposite end of the oh, spectrum. Oh, I see where you're going, yep. If, if, if something is urgent and important and you're treating it as non-urgent, non-important, uh, I would imagine there would be catastrophic consequences if you do that enough or yeah. if you do it at the wrong time. That's right. If, there's a, if a trash can's on fire... And you say, "Oh, that's not important. That's not urgent. <laughs> You're going to lose your whole house. You're going to right." Yeah. To use yeah. the obvious example, as opposed to, uh, "Oh my gosh, I don't have a fire extinguisher anywhere to put it up because mm-hmm. I didn't do the important planning." Mm-hmm. You know, buying the fire extinguisher is not urgent, but it's important. You better decide when you're going to buy it so you have it, so that when the crisis arises, you have it. I just bought a fire extinguisher. Yeah, it's important to have, right? Yeah. I was just thinking about it. I think it's like the, I don't know, I felt like a good father doing it. But, you know, it's, I just, you start thinking about that, especially during the winter when your heat's going all the time. Of course. And, and you just never know in the kitchen, you could have a kitchen fire. You know, I learned yeah. in, a, in a tip, actually, we had a, a fire safety, we were all fire extinguisher, fire extinguisher certified here. Put one in your bedroom so that if there's a fire in your house at night, when you get out of your bed, you have it. access to the fire extinguisher as opposed to running through the fire to get it in the kitchen. Great point. You know, it was like, it sounds you know so where obvious. I put it, right? In the kitchen, probably under the sink. Under the sink. Of course, that's where everybody has it. But if the kitchen's on fire, you might not be able to get to it. And I actually got the easy one. It's just a spray. It's right. not a, you don't have to pull a key. They make them really easy now. So anyway, I thought that was a great tip. Put it next to your bed, and that way you have it. If you need to fight huh. the fire to get out of your house, you have it. Very, you don't have to fight good. the fire to get the extinguisher to fight the fire. I mean, it's these simple things in life. You just you just probably <laughs> saved me right there in my family. I hope not. My house burned down in 1986 <laughs> to you, the ground. You you know what? You told me that maybe like a year ago. I, I had never known that prior. Yeah, so, my parents huh. were amazing through the whole process. And uh, so it, like, if the, not in that, I don't have any trauma from it, I think, because the way my family responded, but literally lost the whole house. So very, very talk few, about resiliency. Mark. Resiliency. That's, the community came together. My parents were amazing. My older siblings were amazing. My, my grandparents, my aunts, my uncles, my neighbors, my friends. Yeah. Where my, did you stay? Um, we stayed with my grandparents for the first couple of weeks. And then hmm. we, we went into like a, um, like a, like a rental town home. Nice. And my mom drove me nice. to school every day. It was a different district, but because we were quote homeless, we could yeah. go to my home school. How about that? And uh, it took it took a long time uh, for them to rebuild the house, but you know you just think That's of those things and like, but my God, my parents like, they could have reacted they could have reacted a whole different way. Well, sure. Okay. And in the moment, I'm in second grade. I had no idea what my parents were dealing with. I mean, I knew we lost our house, but I'm just a little kid, right? Like mm-hmm. only as an adult with children do I realize what stress that must must have put on my parents. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All right. Yeah. So that is okay. the urgent important matrix. Yes. It's paralleled with the Eisenhower matrix or the Eisenhower principle. And then overlaid on top of that, we put the do, delegate, delete, or decide when to do matrix as well. So three leadership principles packaged into one. 
Again, we um, took the premise of the urgent important matrix from the coaching tools company.com. Though this is a tried and true um, uh, leadership framework that you can find anywhere. And I got to tell you, as a, as one of the takeaways here, you did very well with that eighties, the eighties uh, movie trivia there. You, <laughs> you only missed, what do you miss? Three out of the four, out of the. Yeah, 16. I missed three and I knew the movies, but I definitely didn't get the quotes. So you, you missed three out of 12. So it was, uh, you, you made nine out of 12. I'll take it. Nine out of 12. That's a good score. Uh, I'll listen, I'll take it. And, uh. People would have thought the fix was in if I got all 12, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, right. So kudos to you for picking some good movies. we got to figure out, it's my turn to challenge you with something okay. next. all right. <laughs> maybe, I'll, maybe I'll name an album and you name the band or something. That like would be kind of cool. Yeah, because yeah. I know what kind of music you like, so I would yeah. make it a little bit more difficult. I'm sure. Though, yeah. you know, in today's day, do you even know the names of albums anymore? It's, it's tough. Oh, it's and by tough. the way, I have a gift for you. I want to yeah. get, get a photo of us. With me okay. handing you this gift, okay. and we'll, maybe we'll use that as the uh, the image for this podcast. I, okay, that sounds great. Hey, all right, let's go you. take a picture. I want to give this gift to you, and we'll all talk right. about it in the next episode. <laughs> all, right. all right, all right. Let's wrap it up. Greg. Okay, listeners. In the meantime, let's make it a great day and let's innovate the USA. Sultry, yes, sultry, sultry. The sweet sounds of breakthrough. Wow. Woo.